Thank you, Ernie, and good morning, everyone. <laughs> Greetings in the name of the Lord, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Now, those who know me know that I've got a tradition of telling a story before I preach, and the story today is about a woman arrived in heaven at the pearly gates, and she said to St. Peter, what do I do to come in? And he said, you have to spell a word. She said, what's the word? He said, love, L-O-V-E, come on in. She came into heaven, she loved heaven. Heaven was wonderful, of course. And on one occasion, Peter said to her, would you mind minding the gate for me? I've got some things to do. You know the routine about a word? She said, yep. So she goes to the gate and who should be the first person to arrive but her husband from down on earth? Fancy seeing you, she says. How are things going? And he says, oh, you wouldn't believe it. Life has just been fantastic. You know, in the hospital, when you passed away, there was that little nurse there. Well, we got to know each other, went out for coffee. We fell in love and guess what? We got married. And we're only married for six months and we won the $20 million lottery. He said, well, you know that house down the corner of the street that you always desired? Well, we were able to buy it. And you know that sports car you always wished that you could get if only we were rich enough? We were able to get one. And you know that you dreamed that one day, if you only had the money, we could go on a world cruise around the world on the QE2? Well, we did that too. Life has been great. Bit of a pity that that I'm here now, but anyway, that's the way it goes. What do I, I got to do to come in? She says, you have to spell a word. What's the word? Czechoslovakia. <laughs> now, there's no theological truth in that story whatsoever. Ignore it all. <sighs> Shall we pray? And in Matthew's gospel, Jesus said, heaven and earth will disappear, but my words will never disappear. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for, the, for your words are eternal. 2,000 years later, we look at your words and they still speak to us today because they never disappear. Heaven and earth will, but not your word. We pray, Lord, you speak your word to us today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, something a little bit different today that know, those that know me, I usually have a PowerPoint pictures behind me, but today not so, because, sorry, Anne, because we've got uh, some word pictures in, in, in the message, and I'd rather you made the word pictures up here than you saw them up there. Every eye was on the young preacher as he stood up to read in church. They all knew him. He had grown up in their town. But lately, he, he had become a teacher-preacher. They heard he was pretty good. He certainly had an air of confidence and authority about him. And when he got up to read, they handed him the scroll of the prophet Isaiah, and he read these words. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the, for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind to set the oppressed free and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. Nice words. But then he astounded everyone present by saying, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. He was saying, these words apply to me personally. 
The Spirit of the Lord is upon me and I'm going to proclaim good news to the poor. I'm going to proclaim freedom to captives. I'm going to make the blind see. I'm going to set the oppressed free. And I declare that this year is the year of jubilee, the year when debts are cancelled. This is the year of God's favour to you. And that is how the Gospel writer Luke tells us that Jesus declared the beginning of his public ministry. Of course, Jesus' hearers, they were sceptical. Isn't this Joseph's son? We know this guy and his family. He's no prophet. Besides, anyone can make great boasts. It's just words. (laughs) We would really like him to do all those things. The words of the sceptic, we would really like to see him do all those things. And and within Luke's gospel, that is exactly what Jesus does. Remember his words about himself, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim this is the year of the Lord's favour. And Luke shows us that this statement by Jesus is not just words. Luke goes on to show in the following chapters that Jesus' actions backed up these words. That he came to proclaim the good news to the poor. And in Luke's gospel, the poor are not just those who, who don't have much money. The poor is anyone who has been downtrodden, oppressed or marginalised in society. So what did Jesus do? Well, in the following chapters, we read that Jesus freed people from demons who were oppressing them. He healed many people from all kinds of sicknesses and diseases. He even healed a leper. Talk about the oppressed and the marginalised. A leper... And Jesus did the most astounding thing by healing the leper by reaching out and touching the untouchable. He also healed a paralysed guy when his friends, they couldn't come in the house, so there's too, too many people, so they got up on the roof, they took the tiles off and they let him down with ropes right in front of Jesus. And Jesus astounded everybody by first of all saying to him, your sins are forgiven. No one can forgive sins except God. And then he healed the man. He also called some most unlikely folk to be his disciples, like fishermen. Which rabbi would call fishermen to follow him? Or even worse, he called a tax collector named Levi or Matthew to follow him. A tax collector? Talk about the margins. No one liked them at all. Jews who work for the Romans and who cheated people. Jesus even called those from the margins to follow him. So Luke shows that wherever Jesus went, he brought good news with him. Wherever Jesus went, he set people free. Whenever Jesus came to them and Jesus was present, this was the time of God's favour for them. Now, a sceptic reading these words for the first time might nod their heads and agree that this Jesus, yep, he was a very special man and he did some, did some very special things. He had some great powers. I mean, not, not everyone can heal people, right? But 
they would say it's obvious he could only do so much. Surely even this Jesus had his limits. For there is one barrier that he could never do anything about. There is one enemy of mankind that he could never defeat. There's something that in the end holds every human being captive. Even this Jesus could do nothing about that one. Death. Death. (laughs) No good news there, Jesus. No freedom for the captives there, Jesus. Death gets everyone in the end. There's no freedom from death. She was devastated. Several years ago, she had nursed her husband during his illness. But it was no use. He passed away in the end. But at least she, they had had a son her only child, a son, and he was in his late teens when his father passed away. And he was a good worker. He hired himself as a labourer and his wage was enough for him and his mother to live on. And she was so worried when he too became ill and she prayed to God not to take him too, but that prayer was not answered. He died. Her only son died. And with his death, she lost all hope. Not only was she filled with grief that her son had died, but now worries consumed her. How was she going to live? She now had no one to support her. She was too old to turn to prostitution. She'd have to beg. She'd have to join the other beggars in gleaning the fields when the harvesters went, went, went through, the widows and the beggars would get out there and they'd pick up any stalks of grain which had fallen down. They would scrape up the grain with their very fingernails trying to get enough grain to at least give them a couple of meals. Isn't that what Ruth did? Remember the story of Ruth, the biblical story of Ruth? Her and her mother-in-law, Naomi, two women without a man, Ruth went out to the fields and she gleaned the fields. Fortunately for her, God was watching over her in the person of a man named Boaz, the owner of the field, who noticed her and cared for her and married her. Wonderful love story of the great-grandparents of King David, the line of Jesus. But for this widow, there'd be no... Boaz to look after her. She knew at best that she could only hope to eke out some kind of living. For the rest of her life, she would live on the brink of starvation. Her grief had given way to hopelessness and despair. And today was the funeral day. The other villagers would help take her son's body to be buried then her life of loneliness and absolute poverty would begin. But in the midst of her grief and despair, Jesus stepped in. He stepped into her village called Nain. He stepped into this funeral scene. He stepped into her life when all hope was lost in stepped Jesus. Jesus interrupted the funeral procession. Our text tells us when the Lord saw her, his heart went out to her. Jesus comprehended the scene immediately. He knew 
what it all meant for this widow, for he understood the plight of the marginalised and the poor and the oppressed. And his heart went out to her and he told her tenderly, don't cry. Then Jesus went up to the open coffin and he touched it. Those carrying the coffin stopped before the Lord's authority and Jesus spoke to the dead youth as though he was alive. Young man, I say to you, get up and wonder of wonders, miracle of miracles, the dead young man sat up and he began to talk. And the widow blinked and she looked and she looked again. This was her son. He was alive and he was speaking to her. She was so stunned at first she couldn't say anything. And then she laughed and she wept and she shrieked all at the same time. This was impossible. But there he was. Her son was alive. Jesus had given her son back to her. Jesus had given hope back to her. Jesus had given her life back to her. For Jesus said of himself, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom of the prisoners, to, of recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free and to declare that this year, this day, today is the day of the Lord's favour. Now in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verse 26 we read the last enemy to be conquered is death. Luke's gospel shows us that Jesus was as good as his word. He said he would set the captives free and this included those who were made captive by the last enemy to be destroyed, death itself. But again the skeptic, the skeptic can say oh, look it's it's all still words. Just because I read the words in the writings of some guy called Luke doesn't mean it's true, doesn't mean this, this Jesus can do all these things. How do we answer the sceptic? The answer, the resurrection. We know that Jesus is true. Everything he said is true because of his resurrection. Upon this earth somewhere lie the dead bodies of the Buddha, and Confucius and Muhammad and any other religious leader we can name, but we will never ever find the body of Jesus Christ because he is risen and he is alive. The religious leaders of Jesus' day desperately tried to find his body so they could disprove these rumours that he had risen, but they could not do it. And no one has been able to disprove the resurrection throughout history. On the contrary, many have set out to disprove the resurrection and have been so confronted by the overwhelming evidence that Jesus did in fact rise from the dead that they've ended up believing it themselves and becoming a follower of Jesus themselves. The resurrection proves that Jesus is who he said he is, the Son of God. The resurrection proves that everything he said, every promise he made is true. The resurrection proves that Jesus has victory over the last barrier, the last enemy, death. 
the fact that he has been raised means that just like that widow's son, he can raise those who believe in him. And he said to us all, in my father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. And I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And then I will come and get you so you can be where I am. The promise of Jesus When we pass from this life into the next, at that time he comes and he gets us so that we can be with him. How do we know that's true? Because he himself rose from the dead. That's how we know that it's true. 1 Corinthians 15 verses 20 to 22. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. Jesus came to set the captives free. He came to announce good news. He came to announce that this day, today, is the day of the Lord's favour. What good news do you need to hear today? What is oppressing you today? What is making you a captive? Is it guilt over your past sins? Fear. Fear of death. Worry. Sickness. Grief. Uncertainty. Addiction. Loneliness. Whatever it is, we can give it to Jesus today. He promises to set the captive free. So open your life, open it all to Jesus, and let Jesus step in. Shall we pray? Lord, we thank you for your word is powerful, and today we read a powerful word. This man was dead. He was gone, ready to be buried. That was no barrier to you. You just spoke the word. And he lived and he returned to his mother. What a miracle. Lord, in that, it was a sign you showed us about your coming resurrection. It was a sign that you have victory over that last barrier, that last enemy of mankind, death. We thank you for that, Lord. We need to fear nothing, not even death itself. And Lord, we realise so many things in life can hold us captive. So many things. But Lord, you can break those barriers down. You set the captive free. That is your promise. Lord, whatever it is, we open our hearts to you today. and We say, come into our life afresh, Lord Jesus. Set me free and give me hope. Thank you, Lord. You have the power to do this through your Holy Spirit. And we pray in your name. Amen.